Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Welcome to the Bright Vibe Podcast. At Bright Vibe, we believe everyone deserves to be happy. But in today's world, everywhere you turn, there is division and negativity. At Bright Vibe, we have created a global movement to bring 8 million people together who are inspired to live bright, live bold, and share bright vibes. Alone, it can be hard to change, but together we can change the world. Welcome to the Bright Vibe Podcast. Michelle Vandepass, welcome to the Bright Vibe Podcast. So happy to have you on today. Oh, it's great to be here. Thanks for inviting me. Yeah, I've got a little bit of a bio here. You're an author, you're a TEDx speaker, you're a business coach. Uh, you're also co-founder of Grace Point Publishing. We're going to talk a little bit about that today. The innovative, you know, and that in the publishing house is very collaborative. Partnership publishing is what you call it. So we're going to ask you questions around that. Um, you serve speakers, coaches, service professionals, business professionals. You do personal development, uh, even quantum healing. So lots there. I would sum it up that you're very inspirational in the business realm and in the leadership realm. I'd say you're a voice of inspiration and also not just inspiration, but also how to get things done. And so today we're going to be talking about purpose and then we'll kind of blend these other things in, like living life on purpose, right? So do how, it. That so how do, fun. So how do we live life on purpose? And we'll just jump off there. So you've worn a lot of different hats in your career. Uh, you're also, I think, a 10-time foster parent. Is this? <laughs> is that right? So, so you lead in many different areas. Yeah. Um, and we were talking just a little bit pre-show. And, and so let's just jump into kind of that conversation we were having pre-show about uh, you feel that there's a lot of people out in the world right now, myself being one of these. Uh, so I'll, I'll check this box as well, that have something inside of them that's wanting to get out. And some of us are stuck in that, right? Yeah. Yeah, right. So I talk about this in my TEDx talk as well, which is, are you procrastinating or are you incubating, right? Sometimes we have something that's nudging at us. And I'm just going to use the book as an example, but it could be anything. It could be traveling to India. It could be having kids. It could be quitting your job, whatever it is, right? I think I've done those last three, actually. Now, I've checked all those boxes. I've traveled oh, wow. to India. I've quit my job a couple couple different times. Right. Moved across country. And I moved across country. So, I okay, I got all those. So we're speaking the same language. So, yeah. so if you have, and we'll just say an idea for a book. Like a lot of people yep. come to me and say, God, everyone says I should be writing a book. I keep thinking I should be writing a book. I keep saying, oh man, I could put that in my book, right? First thing that I recommend people do is to tune in to see whether you you really are procrastinating. Like, mm. is this something you're really supposed to do? It's yours to do and you just need to freaking get it done somehow. Usually right. Or is it that you're incubating? It's not quite time yet. You haven't flushed out all your thoughts. You know, someday you're going to quit your job. Someday you're going to go to India, but you know, maybe it's not time. Maybe you've got three babies under three at home and it's not time to just quit your job and take off to India, right? There right, are right. seasons and cycles mm -hmm. and there's discernment. And we have a lifetime, hopefully, to get all these things done that call 
us to do and to live purpose and to live passionately. And so that's the first step, I always say. Is it yours to do and is it yours to do now? And if you start getting some adrenaline or fear or heart palpitation, probably is yours to do now because that's the resistance. If you get, nah, it's not really mine to do now, and I'll recircle back next year, that's probably you're still in incubation mode around it. And when we ask ourselves the question, we usually know the right answer. And when something comes up for us, we feel triggered or we feel resistance, that's usually the sign that, yes, it's ours to do, it's probably ours to do now, and we have some internal resistance for some reason. And how do we get past that internal resistance? Well, one of the ways is to not try to figure out all the outcomes. So mm. back to the book analogy, but even like traveling to India, which is on, I've been and I'm going again next year. Mm -hmm. Try to figure out what the end result's going to be. So I know I'm supposed to write a book, but I don't know how to launch. I don't know how to get a book cover done. What if nobody buys it? Like we go to the end result mm. rather than mm -hmm. in the moment. What's my next step? What's my first step? And then we try to figure out all the pieces in between. I'm all for goal setting and having a vision for your life. But, you know, life takes these weird twists and turns. And so yes. even if we have, these are the 27 steps that's going to get me to where I want to be in three years. Usually it never works that way, right? <laughs> no. In fact, I will say that it literally never works out. It's not even a, a guess, right? It never right. works the exact way we plan it. So my recommendation is you say, where do I want to be in three years? Yes, I want to write a book. And then you work on the steps now that are mm -hmm. right in front of you right now. And allow yourself to be open to the magic of the universe, right? Mm -hmm. We get led, things happen, people die, people get married. New people come into our life, people drop off, opportunities open up, and we follow life's path. Mm -hmm. Actually, if we're not trying to control it all, there's a better outcome than we could have imagined, usually. Not always. Right. And so for the book analogy, what usually stops people is they're trying to figure out everything. That, or they write something, they go, well, I can't put that in the book. That threw my third cousin second removed under the bus. And then mm -hmm. they rip it up or, you know, or mm -hmm. delete, he and it's gone. And I'm like, who said that was going to end up in the book? Just start writing. Just put that down on papers for your eyes only at the beginning. Nobody else has to read it. Mm -hmm. And typically, who do you find, since you, since you brought up books, and I know you're in the publishing business, who typically is, I guess, who's writing books? Lots and lots and lots of people are writing mm -hmm. books. I read something like, 2,500 books were published last month. Oh, wow. I think that's the stat I read. So lots of people write books. Everybody writes books. Lots of people write fiction books. The people that tend to come to me are someone with a purpose, a message, something to teach, something inspirational to share. They've been through a journey. They've been to India and had some transformational experience. I don't know if that's true with you. <laughs> I doubt it. Yeah, uh, yeah, we did some unique things. Yeah. <laughs> right? India's got that. Yeah. Vibe to it. Um, it does. Or if you've been through a healing journey or you've opened a business and you're like, wow, I wish I would have known this before I started. I can share this message. Maybe someone who has a course wants to mm -hmm. turn it into a book for lead gen. Oh. Right. So I work mostly with nonfiction, inspirational teaching kinds of 
authors, mm-hmm. but I also work with fiction and other kinds. But you know, that 80-20 rule, 80% of the people I work with are usually inspirational of some sort. Mm-hmm. And so they're using it in their business for coaching or they're using it for what kind of publishing is it typically for, I guess. It's not necessarily going to sit in Barnes and Noble or would it? Not usually. So, yeah. you know, the world's changed a lot in just what, three, four years, right? Mm-hmm. Right. I can sort of say it may end up in Barnes and Noble. It may not. And that's not really the goal. So there's two reasons people write a book. One is they're inspired to do it. And they mm-hmm. just won't do it. And they're going to do it. I've had lots of authors come. I just need to write this book. It's in me. I just need to do it. And I don't care if anybody buys it. By the time we get to the publishing, usually they do care if somebody buys it. <laughs> right. Ending, it could be just for their friends, their family. Mm-hmm. They want to get it out. It's their legacy out into the world. And that's a beautiful reason to write a book, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Without any expectation. But then a lot of people are purposeful about writing a book to help them give them credibility in their industry, mm-hmm. to bring in coaching clients, to bring more people to their YouTube channel or whatever it is they're doing, right? Another way to establish credibility. So both of those. Well, and obviously, you know, as a podcast host, you know, a lot of the people we invite on the show are authors, right? They write books and then we bring them on and it, we talk about the book that they've written. But I've got a couple authors that are either friends or even in my not so immediate family. And, you know, for them, I think there's almost this cathartic process of either personal development, spiritual development, just growth in general, fiction or nonfiction. I'm just oh, yeah. writing it down, right? It's kind of like journaling or, you know, you've got this song in you that needs to come out. How do you get the song out if you don't know how to sing? And so writing and expressing is a way to, you know, a lot of, I guess the authors that I've had on the show, a lot of them are writing about stuff that transformed their life. And this is the next process of that transformation. And then if other people pick it up and find inspiration by it, even better. Writing, so people talk about entrepreneurial being an entrepreneur, being a business owner is one of the biggest personal self-development. <laughs> yes. I would say a book is like tops that. I mean, mm-hmm. not tops it, but yeah. you have to be really clear, not in the writing process so much, but as you get an editing process, mm-hmm. you got to not take it personally. You got to step outside of, you know, all the editing that happens. You got to be really clear about, no, I stand for this and I want this in the book. So you have to, internalize what you really stand for. Mm -hmm. You have to know who you are and, you know, and get it succinct in like three steps or 12 points or 12 chapters, right? And organize your thoughts. So people have been to college often do this in their papers, Mm -hmm. right? At different levels. But as you're talking about, many of the people have been through a transformational process. And so then that, sometimes re-triggers or re-brings it up. And I always say, you know, depending on what you've been through, I'm not a therapist. My team, we're mm-hmm. coaches. We're not right. therapy. If you need support, go get it, mm-hmm. right? Because this will re-stir everything up that you want to write about. In a good way, though, right? I mean, it's going to stir it up, but it's there to... Right, yeah, yeah. It's there to do something with. Uh, oh, several months ago, I don't even know how long ago, we, I had a gentleman that came on the show that actually, uh, the, I think it, the name of the book was something about the lessons I learned after I, after I died or after I killed myself. And so he'd actually hung himself and then his wife found him and got him down before it was too late. And so he ended up 
Right. And he was a veteran and had suffered some post-traumatic you know, stress disorder and, and just had not recovered from childhood and being right. overseas. He wrote the book and then that was the catalyst for then him to go on to like work um, suicide hotlines and do talks. And now I notice on social media that he's really leaning into wanting to kind of be more of a preacher and his wife, I think, and he are kind of kicking off some type of organized, hey, come and we've got good stuff for you through preaching. And so that book, I think one was part of a healing process for him, but then also led him to open up so many doors. I would have never talked to him had he not written the book, right? Because right. I would I would not have known about him. He was promoting the book. That's how I found yeah. out about him. I so I want his wife to write that book, right? Right. Yeah. I mean, what the heck, right? Were, right. Yeah. True around that too. And yeah, and that's part of the magic of the universe that I was saying, you know, you don't know what opportunities are gonna open up for you when you right. follow the breadcrumbs, as they say. Good good yeah. for yeah, you know, and racial story. I wish I would publish it. <laughs> yes, yes. Well, and and let's talk about some of the stuff that you have published. Kind of some of the stories that really stuck out to you that were kind of these, yeah, that were just very inspirational. Probably one of my most famous authors, and I talk about her. Uh, she was on America's Most Wanted, I think, in twenty fourteen. Oh she, wow! She broke her boyfriend out of prison in a dog crate. Oh my gosh! She was all over the news at the time, and. Uh -huh did go to prison and was in solitary and sort of found herself in solitary, which is one of the very few good stories I think about solitary confinement, mm. right? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And wrote, came out and helped other women now who are in prison, wrongly imprisoned, or in her case, it wasn't wrongly imprisoned. Right. He helps other women and other people find their way now, mm. especially women who've been in prison now. Very inspirational story because she turned her whole life around and went a different direction. I have men and women stories of abuse in their life and so forth and come, you know, out the other side. But I also have inspirational stories and books and one in particular of a man with cerebral palsy and how he went on to build a huge coaching business. Oh, really? And kind of used some of the lessons he used through his own health journey and applied those in business. You know, all kinds of books, all kinds of people, all living their purpose, mm -hmm. right? Doing yeah. what they do. Yeah, and I think that's a big part of what you're talking about. And I didn't mean, you know, necessarily to make the show about writing a book, but here we are. So we're, yeah. and I have not written a book, so I yes. cannot speak at, from first-person authorship uh, experience, but I've taught and I've done talks and, and things like this. And whenever I've done those things, I always come away feeling like I learned more than the audience learned. And again, kind of back to that, even if you're just writing it for yourself, just to get it down and kind of get it, your thoughts in order and kind of get some kind of form around it so that it actually, I'm sure takes on more meaning as you lean into it. Cause I know when I talk or when I, even when I do some writing, it brings a clarity to maybe some of the trauma or some of the past or some of the stuff. And even if it wasn't necessarily a bad event, the writing also brings new uh, kind of little nuggets or treasures. It's, it's almost like it's locked inside. How do you unlock these treasures? How do you unlock your gifts? How do you unlock your purpose? And a lot of it, I think, even if you're not going to write a whole book, is just writing and journaling and kind of getting it out. Absolutely. I couldn't have said it better. <laughs>
Well, you can if you want. You're the expert. I'm just the host. <laughs> I love that. Yeah. Yeah. So what are you working on primarily? So I know you have a coaching business too. So, so yeah. you know, it's michellecoaches.com. So you have a coaching business. You have a publishing business. What do you work on in your coaching business, I guess? Who are you working with? Yeah, I work with all kinds of people who really just want the next step for them. And maybe mm. they're not sure what it is or they feel an overwhelm or they have a direction they want to go and life's kind of seemingly pushing them a different way or friend and they're unsure which direction or the crossroads where they want to build their business or they want a new creative outlet. Like I just do regular, it's business coaching. It's not life coaching. It's not relationship coaching. It's business coaching, but it doesn't have to be for someone who has this big business. It could be someone who says, you know, I'm thinking about maybe starting this online store. What do you think? Right. Mm -hmm. Big business, small business, everywhere in between. I've coached politicians and seven-figure entrepreneurs and people just starting, right, mm -hmm. everywhere. So that's that's coaching. Well, very cool. So your coach, publisher, you've got 10 kids you fostered. Is that right? I did, yeah. That's pretty amazing in and of itself. That had to teach you some things, I would think. Yeah, it taught me some things. <laughs> <laughs> it taught me... Probably a lot of empathy that right. I know I didn't have for. Mm -hmm. You never know. I mean, we hear this all. You never know what someone else is going through. You never know right. until you walk in someone else's shoes. And then, you know, you bring in a five-year-old kid who's like standing there with a knife ready to stab you because he's so angry about the world. And you realize mm -hmm. this kid's been through some stuff, right? Mm -hmm. So I learned a great deal of empathy. For other people, I learned that very often our government systems really suck mm -hmm. and they don't know how to fix it or want to fix it, or there's so much bureaucracy, it's not going to get fixed. Mm -hmm. And I think I knew that before, but I was in the middle of it and that really sucks. And I don't see it really being that much better 20 years later. Right. Kind of is what it is. And that's why it takes good people like yourself to kind of come in and bridge that gap, right? When, you know, I don't know how much I really helped. Mm. Like, does it really help to pull a kid out of mm. a situation just because the government thinks they should? Right. Yep. And that's a whole nother conversation. I was going to say, that almost sounds like a whole not-for-profit organization right there that you just said. Yeah, I, I have talked about this a lot, and I've been on some adoption and foster mm -hmm. podcasts, and I used to blog about it. So I'm not anti-government at all. Right. I mean, this is not a political thing, but I do think sometimes we say we're doing it for the benefit of the child, but it's not really the benefit of the child. Like mm. I had to literally, with a caseworker, pull a breastfeeding child out of his arms and they're Yikes. both screaming. Right. Right. I mean, that is not okay. Right. Yep. And that is never okay. They hauled the mother off to jail. And I'm like, hmm. an hour could have made a big difference in both their families. Mm -hmm. Both their, right? I mean, mm -hmm. there's just a lot wrong with this situation. So, well, we don't want to end on that note. That's kind of we like do a downer. So, we're not going to end on that note. <laughs> so, what? But the note, we're, but the note we can end on. I like to play this game. If you, if you only had one message to give to the rest of the world, now over 8 billion people, and that grows daily, that are occupying, yeah, we passed 8 billion 
last year or the beginning of this year. So there's 8 billion people on the face of the earth. If all of them got a little player and on that little player was just your message to them, you know, that was your legacy, but also your way to pay it forward. What would you want that message to be to those other 8 billion people? Well, you're already living your purpose. You're already worthy on the planet. You're already making a difference on the planet. You may not feel it, know it, understand it. You don't have to chase it. You're here. We love you. You are loved. And if you're having a hard time, just hang in there because it will someday make sense. Mm. It always does eventually make sense, doesn't it? Even well, eventually. I mean, I don't know. I'm still living, but <laughs> but the cycles, the cycles the of cycles. sense, right? It kind of you go through those periods where things don't make sense. And there's now, lots of confusion. And then at some point, there's some clarity and it may be years or decades, but at some point, there's some clarity. It all comes around and makes sense. And there's so many people who just are feeling anxious and overwhelmed with the world right now. And I would just say, breathe, take care of yourself, do what you can, pat yourself on the back, do what you're here to do. And if you don't know what that is, just, just be. Mm, I love it. Love it. Uh, that's why I do this podcast uh, week in, week out, this Bright Vibe podcast, because sometimes I'm like, oh, I don't know, should I continue to do it or not? And then every time I meet wonderful people like you and I'm like, yeah, of course, this is what we do. We put out bright vibes. We we put out good energy into the Internet space and into the world in general, because we all need inspiration. We all need uh, kind of one hand up and one hand down. Right. Uh, we need to be lifted up and we need to lift up others. And that's I'm so happy to have met you and had time to talk with you today, because definitely that's what you're doing with your purpose is, you know, kind of lifting others up. You're helping people tell their stories, coaching them, you know, directly, if that's what is needed in, in that situation to kind of move them on to their next step of their purpose, right? We're always, un our purpose is always unfolding, forever unfolding. Yeah. yeah. Matt, this has been so much fun and I wanted to talk about India. So maybe we'll do that next time. <laughs> uh, yeah. India. Yeah. I've been there a time or two. It was, um, it was good. It was, it was always good. It wasn't always fun. Right. But it was always good. And it, like anything else that you learn, there's the lingering effects over a lifetime of when there's kind of some of those, oh, that's what they were talking about. Didn't make sense then, but it kind of starts to make sense now. Right. Yeah. So yeah. What part of India are you headed back to? Hi, Deverbad. Hyderabad. Hyderabad. Thank you. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. Actually, uh, my husband and I are going to go do some culture tournament. Uh-huh. The first time I went, it was pure vacation, went to Goa and Taj Mahal and did all uh -huh. that. Right. Where do you go when you go to I, I typically, and I haven't been for, gosh, well, last time I it would have been about eight years ago I went, but we, um, I would go to uh, north of Chennai, which is on the southeast coast and go up about an hour to a, call it an ashram meditation. It was but a spiritual place to sit with monks and learn from monks and it was always very interesting and impactful. And, and yes, if you've never been to India, I was never called to go to India. It was just, that's where the monks were. Right. And so, so it wasn't like, I was like, yay, let's go to India. It was more of, oh shit, I have to go to India. <laughs> right. But by choice. Love how you said it wasn't always fun, but enlightening. Um, yeah. I like, feel like that with business. I feel like that with life. I feel right. like that with traveling most places these days, because traveling itself. Right, it's not smart, but it's part of life. And India was like so overwhelming, oh, yeah. and so great, and so not great, and 
so everything, right? If you, yes, if definitely for myself, sounds like for you as well, if you want to grow <laughs> spiritually, personally, if you want to find out where your anger is, where your, where your grace is, right? I mean, you know, the first couple of times that was my experience. After that, it was kind of like anything else. You kind of get used to the culture and the, but if you want your senses to come alive, you just fly into India <laughs> and then you just walk outside and you will, your senses will be totally sight, sounds, smells, uh, temperatures. All of a sudden you'll be like, oh my gosh, I didn't even know I could take in this much information all at once. Right. I think we're in sensory overload now. But, those of us kind of sheltered uh, in the U.S. Yeah. Yeah. I saw many things in India, good and not so good. Um, yep. Yeah, it was, I remember coming back to the States thinking, gosh, we have it really good. Gosh, we, we just have it really, as far as the creature comforts, you know, cars and roads and, and police and, you know, just safety in general. We have it, we do live very sheltered in comparison to a lot of other situations in a lot of other countries. The piece that's really stuck with me is how spotless clean all the temples were and the, uh -huh. yep and the spiritual places and even the tourist places mm -hmm. and it's like you you take the step <laughs> it feels like not clean <laughs> right and when right. we say not clean like not clean <laughs> like dirt and mud and, and trash food. and yeah oh yeah and then like one step yeah, I, yeah. I love India felt like that to me. Yeah. Just polarities. Yeah. And just such extremes. Yeah. I remember coming in. I, I think we'd spent about 10 days kind of at the temple and you're not wearing shoes and your feet are always dirty. And, you know, there's, you know, it's just lots of stuff. And then we walked into the the hotel, the Taj, I think is the chain over there. That's kind of the nice, right. We And I walked into the Taj. It was like re-entering something and it was almost as shocking as going to the, the dirt was almost as challenging as coming out of it. It was like, oh my gosh, I just want to go back outside and take my shoes off and walk in the dirt. It was just a yeah. very, it was like so stark to your point, such opposites. It was like, oh my, you know, there's air conditioning and there's like real food and there's, <laughs> right, there's people that are waiting to pick up my bags. It was just very strange. It was just. Yeah. And the whole, but the people were fabulous. Yes. People were always very yeah. nice. Yeah, that is true. Well, yes. So, yes, if you decide that you want to talk about your India venture when you come back, let us know. We'll be happy to have you come back on. We'll just do a whole piece on on India. And finding your purpose. And, and finding your purpose. Yeah, definitely. Well, Michelle, it's been such a pleasure to have you on. If you want to get a hold of Michelle, michellecoaches.com is how you get a hold of her. And we certainly appreciate you coming on today. And we look forward to any of the adventures or anything else you'd like to share in the future. Yeah. Thanks, Matt. Thank you. Thank you for being a part of the Bright Vibe podcast. For more information, go to brightvibe.com. That's B-R-I-T-E, vibe, V-I-B-E.com. Thank you for listening.